0: And welcome back everyone, this is the Exxon, I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at TV.com. on all social media sites Radio TV, and uh, if you'd like to find out what's on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and we're also heard around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, iHeart Radio, Euro Radio TV, and Radio, and of course the Mutual Broadcast Network. My guest this hour is Marla LaRue, and we're going to be talking to Marla on a number of different topics, everything from UFOs to ETs. And Marla, welcome to the X-Zone.
3: Well, thank you, Rob, and thank you for the opportunity, and I send my heartfelt greetings to all of your listeners.
0: Tell us about yourself, Marla.
3: Well, I am a spiritual pastoral counselor and a metaphysician and I like to help people with their spiritual crises.
0: Is it my imagination or are there more people seeking out alternative psychic uh, and spiritual assistance than there was ever before?
3: Yes I think that's very true and I'm very happy to be available you know, to be of service Mm -hmm. to those people and to help them. Because I believe service, being of service to your soul and to humanity is what it's really all about.
0: Now, what is metaphysical? What is your definition of that word?
3: My metaphysical definition would be everything which is of spirit Mm -hmm. and Those arts and sciences involving spirit, quantum physics, consciousness, and probably most things that people don't understand.
0: And what are your duties as a spiritual crisis counselor?
3: As a spiritual crisis counselor, I help people to understand their experiences, whether they are of a spiritual nature, Mm -hmm. paranormal metaphysical, and also encounters, close encounters from aliens and ETs experiences.
0: So what was it that happened in your life that put you on to the path that you're on today?
3: Well, I like to think of myself as being pretty much aware and being spiritual since way back in my childhood, as early as I can remember. But if I were to choose just one experience it would be the night that i had the alien ufo visitation
0: can you share that, that with was us. back
3: in 1992 yeah that was in 92
0: and what happened
3: well it was the evening of thanksgiving and it was about one o'clock in the morning so we're going now you know into the next day from Thanksgiving evening into the next day. And I walked into my bedroom, and I saw blue, white, and gold lights coming into the bed. And I didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't anything in electricity in my house. So I put my arm into this beam of light, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't hardly pull my arm out. And I went to the window and looked out the window and then looked up and I saw a triangular UFO hovering, like parked hovering over the house. So then <laughs> I thought, well, I'll go, the, I'll go to the living room where I can get a much better look at it. So I walked out to the living room and in the living room were about three or four huge picture windows. And I looked out the picture window, and I got a really good look at it then. And then next to me was a football-shaped object, a a device of some kind, uh, just hovering like a little blimp, you know, floating there. And across the front of it were um, several lights. There was a red light, an amber light. A white light and a blue light. All
0: right, we're going to have to do a bit of a cliffhanger here because we have to take our first break. Eh? Exo Nation, Marla Larue is our special guest, and her website is www Are you ready for this, Exo Nation? AscensionMindMethod.com, and Marla and I will be back to continue her encounter story right here in the Exo from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Okay. 213- 401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. ExoNation, Marla LaRue is our special guest this hour. www.exoNation.com AscensionMindMethod.com dot com. All right, Marla, when you and I last left kinda of left our listening audience in a bit of a cliffhanging situation, there you were in your living room with this football shaped object that had several different colored lights around it on the was the the object on the inside of your living room.
3: Yeah, it was it was in the house. It wow. was floating there right next to me. And it shined these lights on me and I felt like love and peace and like like bliss, I just felt so beautiful, and I grabbed it in my arm, and I start to walk towards the kitchen because i'm thinking all right i've I've finally got proof of u uh, f o s and aliens and e t s and I want to you know just have proof <laughs> I'm going to call uh the UFO reporting center, or mm-hmm. MUFON, the police, anybody who would come over to the house and witness this with me. But, all of a sudden, I hear footprints behind me, and a voice says, give it to me. And I said, no, no, I'm keeping this. And I says, give it to me. And I said, no, I'm keeping this. And then a beam of light shot out onto the refrigerator, mm-hmm. and then It was like I could have X-ray vision as long as this light was shining on the refrigerator. And then the beam of light went back into this device, and then another beam of light came out, and it shot the light onto the curtain, onto the kitchen curtain. I thought, oh, my God, no, now they're going to burn the house down. But I walked over to the curtain, and I saw this flame, and I just looked at it. There was no smoke. It wasn't really smoldering. And so I, I grabbed it and I'm holding it in my hand and it wasn't, it wasn't burning my hand. It, then it just, like, disappeared. And so the voice behind me saying, give it to me, give it to me. I mm-hmm. said, no, no, you're not, you're not getting this device. I finally have proof. I finally have proof. And so uh, I was hearing the voice like normal hearing, but now I was able to hear his voice Inside of my mind. I said, okay, this can communicate telepathically because now I'm able to see an image of this being and hear the voice inside of my mind. And so I'm holding onto this device really, really tight. And then he says, give it to me. And I said, no. (laughs) It got so hot, I couldn't handle it. I dropped it to the floor. The minute that it hit the floor, I was teleported back into my bedroom where I was when I first saw those beams of light coming through the ceiling. I that? looked at the clock, mm-hmm. and there was about 45 minutes of time that was not accounted for. When I looked at the clock, when the lights came through the ceiling, it was 1.07 a.m. hmm when I was teleported back to my bedroom, is was 1.57 a.m., so it was like about 45 minutes of time that I couldn't figure out what happened during that time period.
0: Was there any trace evidence left in your house after the no. event was over? None?
3: No. Were there no any- I grabbed my camera because mm-hmm. I was a, a photojournalist. Right. I had a, a Canon EOS 620 35mm camera, mm-hmm. and I pushed the button. It didn't work. And then the next day, I took the film to the laboratory to get developed, but it—it it was just all—all all blank. There was wow. nothing on the film. I'm thinking maybe radiation from the UFO could have ruined it. I'm not really sure.
0: So, did you end up calling anybody? Did you call MUFON? Did you call Peter Davenport after I National went UFO? on the computer
3: okay. and I reported it to the uh, UFO Reporting Center. Yep,
0: that's Peter Davenport. I
3: contacted—I contacted MUFON afterwards and. Um, I asked, you know, is there any way that they could investigate? And they said, unless there's some kind of evidence, there wouldn't be much to investigate. There were no marks outside since it was hovering over the top of my house. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to keep that football-shaped device. Sure. Yeah, so what, what, I had signed up for MUFON to become a field investigator trainee, but mm-hmm. I got their manual, and there wasn't really very much helpful information in it. That's back in 1992.
0: Right. So tell me and about mean, well maybe
3: today maybe today there's more information. With,
0: what about the neighborhood everyone. where you lived? Did you have neighbors? Oh
3: yeah, <laughs> the neighborhood. Um, I lived in a very rural countryside area
2: mm-hmm.
3: in Walden, Walden, New York, right. which was nine miles from the Pine Bush UFO sightings. And right after this contact the event that i experienced Mm -hmm. people told me well you know we hear there's a group of people in pine bush and there's a lot of people who've also had similar experiences to you so i went to the pine bush ufo group and told them my story and there were other people who had the same thing the same experience happened to them on the same day within a six hour time span so the leader of the Pine Bush UFO support group called in Bud Hopkins from the Intruders Foundation. Mm-hmm. And Bud Hopkins came, and he interviewed us. <clears throat> he talked to everyone in the group. He gave us a microphone, and he put it on cassette tape. And when I told my story, there was a woman sitting in the group, and she came up, and she gave me a hug. And she says, thank God that you experienced that and shared because my son, who's only six or seven years old, experienced the exact same thing, just six hours before me, and she didn't believe him.
0: Why do you th- now? This was your first experience, right? I understand you had two encounters.
3: Yes, um, and I think it was probably because I was meditating a lot mm-hmm. at the time that I began my studies with the University of Metaphysics. They had a program called meditation dynamics and i was studying meditation for sometimes up to eight hours a day and from what i understand some practices of meditation will begin to experience what are called siddhis. um they sort of through the practice of meditation um are able to perhaps uh, experience paranormal events more frequently than other people. Right. But also, on that night, I felt vulnerable. I had felt previously, you know, to that UFO encounter that I was being watched. Mm-hmm. And I had never felt that before. It was before that I even, you know, um, had found out about the Pine Bush UFO experiences. So a pen pal of mine had got me a Jesus Cross necklace to wear for protection, and that night I didn't wear it. And I'm wondering, you know, was it a spiritual (laughs) thing, you know, because that one night that I didn't wear my Jesus Cross necklace, I had this experience. But I really do believe, you know, it was possibly because of meditation, you know, Mm -hmm. that might have uh, opened me up into having this, Contact the experience. Well, can you I ex- also had a philosophy. I had a philosophy of if I can't prove something or mm-hmm. disprove it, then I'll accept it as a, a possible truth, and I always tried to keep an open mind. My hobbies and interests were parapsychology, metaphysics, languages, science, technology, and communications. My educational background was that uh, I studied medical laboratory technology, electron microscopy, and humanities in college, and I also studied Latin, Italian, and German. Mm-hmm. I loved to travel. I belong to clubs that um, might have given me like a little star in front of my name. I belong to Amnesty International and Greenpeace, the Sierra Club. I sponsored a child through the Children Christian group. Yeah. Oh, okay. I okay, I, 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 whoa, whoa,
0: to- okay. Let's let's get back to the, the 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 story. I want to hear about the second encounter you had.
3: Oh, the second encounter. Okay, that was when I was in Nevada. Yes, uh, that was in. September of 1996, mm-hmm. and um, my friend and I were looking out in the backyard, and we saw this very, very bright light, and so I grabbed him. I said, get down, get down, and of course he was curious. He couldn't stay down. He stood up and started to move towards it, and went close enough to it to get into the tractor beam and taken on board and i tried to chase after my friend and then i got caught up in the beam and i also got taken on board of this ufo and um... i don't know if it landed or if it docked but since he had gotten taken on board a few minutes before me i didn't see him i had to go looking for him But as I looked up in the ceiling, I saw tree roots. So I thought, okay, I must be underground. Now, this was in Reno, Nevada, and in the neighborhood was the old Air Force Base, the Stead Air Force Base. So it might have been an underground facility there. I'm not really sure. Or, I don't know, maybe Area 51, but I really don't know. (laughs) So anyway, I'm looking for my friend. I go all the way down the hallway and opening different doors there. Finally, I found him, grabbed him, and started to retrace my steps going back to the way that I had come in. And a door opened, and I walked into it, and it was like um, a subway, like entering into a subway car. Mm -hmm. And you know how it is when you're in an elevator? You can detect there's some kind of movement, you know, like you're going up or you're going down. Well, we felt like we went up, and then down and then the next thing I knew we were back inside the house.
0: Why and do you so think that was
3: my second experience?
0: Okay. So how, what did you do with this experience? Did you contact any authorities? Did you have any marks yeah, on your well, body? Was there any no, trace I, evidence?
3: I, I didn't contact, I didn't contact the authority. There was no evidence. Um, uh, my friend had no recollection of it at all. Um, when we landed back into the house, mm-hmm. he was just face down on the waterbed. And uh, the cat had gone with us on this trip.
0: They took your and cat? We
3: brought, Yeah. Yes, they took the cat, but we brought the cat back, too. And the only, only side effect was that the cat started you know, getting sick. Mm-hmm. But I could smell a very strong smell. To me, it smelled like a, a very strong chemical smell, like, like antifreeze. Is the only kind of chemical I could identify it with a very strong sense of like antifreeze. And where was what this smell coming smell? from? Where
0: where was the smell coming from?
3: It was it was all throughout the house. This kind of like a, a chemical smell. Hmm. It uh, wasn't gas.
0: Did you it call gas
3: it, because we didn't have gas? Did you, didn't the have gas did you call the fire department?
0: Did you call the fire department or the police department to come <laughs> down to investigate the, sma- the smell that would have been the ideal thing to do. You had cause.
3: Yeah, but the smell—it didn't. The smell—it didn't last long. You know, it was there just like enough where you could, you could smell the strong sense of it, but it seemed like it dissipated very quickly. And since my friend, he didn't remember. He had no recollection at all. And uh, I reported it again to the UFO Reporting Center, but mm-hmm. I didn't hear back from anyone.
0: You and I have to take our next break. Please stand by, Marla. Exonation, Marla. Okay. LaRue is our special guest. Uh, uh, She is a metaphysician. She has a doctorate in... uh, She got her doctorate in 1995 and a member of the International Metaphysical Ministry, University of Metaphysics at Sedona, Arizona. A, A spiritual counselor trained at the Delphi University of Spiritual Studies in 1993. She holds certifications as a life optimization coach. And much more, and we'll continue our fascinating talk with Marla on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We'll be back after the news. Don't go away. Exonation Marla LaRue is our guest. W. Ascension Minded Method, I'm sorry, Ascension Mind Method. com is her website. So you've had two encounters, both of times you were beamed aboard. You no, know, the first time you weren't beamed aboard, the second time you were beamed aboard. Yeah. The second time it included you, your boyfriend, and the cat. Yes. Why you?
3: You know, I, I think it was all the things I mentioned before. You know, um, mm-hmm. my concern for people and helping people, uh, my experiences... Applied sciences degree, um, languages, Latin, Italian, and German I studied. Mm-hmm. I love to travel. Oh, okay, okay. But I no, no, I, I don't need to hear and, you. I don't and. need,
0: listen, listen, honey. I don't need to hear the entire biography of, of your associations <laughs> and groups. All I want to know is why you, like I, please don't take me wrong. But there are, I think I second, wait, wait a second, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Are you going to let me ask questions, or are we going to have to terminate the conversation? The question is, there are people with double and triple doctorates. Why would they pick somebody who has gone to metaphysical colleges over a scientist, over an astrophysicist, over an astronomer, over a teacher? Why you?
3: I think because I like to help people mm-hmm. I had also sponsored a child or two or three in the children Christian Yeah you said group. that you, um, you said that already yeah. you and said also, that And also a person a person had defected from the Soviet Union and I helped to sponsor them too I think it was because I liked to help people That's possibly why but after 25 years I really don't have any answers
0: so, how long has it been since you have had your last encounter?
3: Well, my first one was in ninety two and that mm-hmm. would be twenty five years and the and the next one was in Nevada and that was in ninety six
0: So why do you so think that they
3: was over twenty years?
0: So why do you think they haven't been in contact with you since?
3: Well, I believe that they have through inspired thought um, a lot of times i I feel that their consciousness is perhaps integrated with mine. I feel a very strong connection to them.
0: And what is their purpose? What is their mission? What is their cause?
3: Uh, Not really sure. You know, because some people have tried to tell me, Marla, be careful, what if this were a government psyops or a mind control experiment and you're being part of it?
0: Do you really think that the government would actually subscribe to PSYOPs or mind control when there's know. so much more in the world that, the, that they should be paying attention to? Yeah,
3: I agree. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: Do you believe that there's a government conspiracy when it comes to UFOs, extraterrestrials, and so on?
3: Well, if I can't prove it, I can't disprove it. Mm-hmm. I would say it's possible.
2: Okay. It's
3: possible.
0: So when it comes to UFOs, what's what's your what's your down home gut feeling? You know, like you, is it are you positive you had these experiences and yet yes. there's no trace evidence? Your boyfriend who was with you when you and he and the cat were allegedly abducted, he couldn't remember anything. So how come you could? Sure.
3: I've always had a very strong consciousness of focus and concentration. I remember my dreams. Mm-hmm. So that might be part of it. Okay. So that's a possibility. I like to remember. Um... I'm thinking that it might be a mixture. of Some of it could perhaps be maybe an aspect of a government psyops program. Some of it could be actual, real alien UFO visitations, perhaps from other planets or other galaxies. Or perhaps visitors from Other dimensions, Um, people have suggested to me that it could be ancient gods, it could possibly be fallen angels, but I really think it might be a mixture. But here it is, at least, you know, it's over 20 Mm -hmm. years ago, my first encounter, and I still don't have any answers today. So I'm very grateful to you for this opportunity, because Mm -hmm. hopefully more people will come forward and more people will share their experiences.
0: The the comments I hear most of all is are the questions as why there are only certain people that have these sightings, only certain people that have these experiences. That these people, when they have their experiences, they cannot bring back any proof of their experience. And it puts quite a bit of doubt and discredibility Oh, All I the agree people with who who you. I have agree these comments.
3: You. Absolutely, I was skeptical myself, yeah. Rob, and that's why for many years, um, I didn't really talk only just to people mm-hmm. in my own circle of friends, right? Or 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 I'm a Reiki master also. I would maybe mention it to my Reiki students, mm-hmm. you know, because you're saying that you had this really unusual experience. No evidence, no way to prove what you experience, And people say, you know, is it a hoax? Mm-hmm. Did you really experience what you did? But I know that I did because there were other people in the Pine Bush UFO group who had similar experiences.
0: Did these people make reports to the law enforcement agencies or to the government? Or?
3: I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't,
0: wouldn't that be something you'd ask if you're sitting in a contact group? And you're explaining an experience, and somebody has an experience that is similar to yours, and wouldn't you say, well, what did you do after the experience? Did you call anyone? I
3: reported it to the UFO report. No no
0: no, 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 I'm talking about the other oh. people in the groups. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, uh, did you did you exchange information with the people in the Pine, uh, Pine Bush group?
3: Well, they called in Bud Hopkins, Mm -hmm. who interviewed everyone in the group. And he had a cassette recorder. Yeah. And he made recordings Mm -hmm. of people's experiences.
0: Okay, and what did he do with that tape recording?
3: I don't...
0: Uh, so, how many people would you say were in that Pine Bush experience group when you were there? Hello? Hmm. ExoNation, this is what happens when you ask too many questions. People hang up because you don't sit there and say, oh, wow, really? I didn't know that. What else happened? You know, I'm not a believer. And it's hearing cases like this that sincerely put a doubt in my mind. You've got a young girl here who claims that she was abducted twice. The first time, there was an object in her living room. Bright lights. A light so bright that it acted as a An x-ray machine when she looked at the refrigerator. No proof. No sighting reports from anywhere else. She didn't call the police. She didn't call anyone. Second case, she's with her boyfriend and cat that gets abducted. Upon the return of the boyfriend, the cat And Marla, what do we do? We smell, and I'm paraphrasing her, there was this odor of antifreeze in the house. Did you call the fire department? Did you call the police? No, because it dissipated very fast. Hmm. And the boyfriend was face down on the waterbed. He doesn't remember anything. She does. She was very quick to give us the, uh, the credentials. And you know, it's, it's nice that people help other people. I'm not taking anything away from her. But I honestly don't see what this has got to do with a UFO encounter and abduction. Bud Hopkins. Well, he's a whole new story. His wife was on a different perspective with Kevin Randall. And uh, she said... You know, she didn't believe anything that Bud was doing was real. It was all a scam. It was a hoax. It was a farce. Now, when I asked her about the Pine Bush encounter group that she attended, very few details, except that Bud Hopkin was there. He recorded everybody's story. What happened to the recordings? I don't know. Nothing. She hasn't heard anything. She says she called MUFON. They never called her back. She claimed that she called the Peter Davenport National UFO Reporting Center. You know, that's good. A lot of people do that. Peter does a great job. But when it comes to proof, I didn't see any. I didn't hear any. Am I a skeptic or a believer? In this case, as usual, a skeptic. Why? No evidence, no trace evidence no reporting the event to the authorities no checking to see if there was any radar tracking no talking to the neighbors to see if they saw anything in the sky and yet when she had the opportunity of of exchanging stories with the encounter group what does she do she didn't tell us except for that one lady who said that her 7-year-old son had come to her with a story about seeing the same object and if i'm not mistaken she said other people that day at different times, saw the same object. But one of the first questions I would have asked is, well, what did you do? Do you have any photos? Did you call the police? Did you call the local airport? Did you call MUFON? Did you call anybody? How do you validate these claims? You can't. Because there was nothing done in this case to substantiate any of the claims that she has made except... You've got this one right, exonation. Accept her word. And I'm sorry. In this case, I can't take any of it. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news. No, no, we had the news already. Thanks, Craig. But we'll be back on the other side as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And when somebody keeps on interrupting me and will not let me get a word in edgewise, it irritates me. And when they hang up, well, this just goes to show and prove that they are not very credible and that I, for one, am glad that she's gone. Zero zero eight zero, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone app or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call two one three.